in this episode, what does edge computing have in common with the production domain and then autonomous controllers and changing culture? It can be done. gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. All right, before we get into the episode, real quick, if you want to support the show, please, people, leave me a review. This is a new show. We've grown dramatically, but it's the number one way to support this show and all of our other eight, you heard me, eight oil and gas podcasts we just launched. By the time you hear this, we have just launched Oil and Gas Offshore, which is going to be an incredible show. Before we get to our guests, I want to big, give a big shout to Nudenix, the sponsor of this show. If you need help modernizing your data center and run an application at any scale, on-prem, off-prem, in the cloud, these are the folks you want to talk to. So I'm here, sitting here today with my guest, Manoj Nimbakar. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you. Yeah. What people don't know that are listening to this is I must have said your name 17 times wrong. I finally got it <laughs> sort of close. But you and I run in the same circles for years. And we've touched base a little bit, I think, a couple of years ago at SPE, ATCE. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You've been on uh, Jake and Colin's show. And we're actually, you're the vice president of production automation and software. And in today's hydrocarbon abundant world and what's going up in the shell plays everywhere, production automation is the buzzword about everything. But the cool thing about Weatherford is it's not a buzzword you're actually doing it right yes absolutely i mean that's the key because we started off with our vision of production ford auto we've been doing production automation and digitization of optimization since years we are practically the only company that has an end-to-end portfolio whether it whether it is to do with production automation controllers or it's our SCADA software or it's our optimization software but what we did two years back was get on this vision of production Ford Auto, which is a combination of the production domain as well as the industry Ford Auto paradigm, wherein we bring in things such as advanced analytics, IoT, and cloud computing, and edge computing to the production domain. We set on to develop these platforms, as we call them, first for production optimization, which was Foresight, which is now a combination, again, of traditional physics-based optimization as well as artificial intelligence. The second thing we did was we evolved Signet from being a traditional SCADA platform to now an IoT platform. And then the combination of these two platforms loaded on our controllers, traditional controllers, we created the next generation of controllers which are all IoT enabled, as well as can do autonomous control. And that is Foresight Edge. So we are actually developing as well as delivering these offerings to the market and our clients are actually using them and gaining benefits out of it. And y'all have been doing stuff like this since the 70s. It's just lately the cost of technology, things like edge computing, IoT, even things like connectivity. In the 80s and 90s, there was no connectivity in West Texas. And still there's spots where there's none, but it's getting better and better and better. So we talked about, you talked about a whole bunch of things. This is the tech podcast, but I do want to back up a little bit and talk about a couple of things. So one thing is you talked about IoT, which is Internet of Things, which is basically connecting parts and pieces so they can talk, so you can pull data from them, right? But you also talked about edge computing. If the audience doesn't know what edge computing is, what is it and why is it important and what Weatherford's doing? 
So as far as edge computing is concerned, we relied a lot on computing processes at the backend where you could do complex calculations in the backend systems, right? But uh, we never had a cost-effective mechanism of doing these calculations at the edge, both in terms of computing as well as in terms of storage. But as you said earlier, right, the cost of these technologies has gone down significantly. And because of that, what we are able to do now is all the complex algorithms, for example, for optimization that we or that were limited only at the backend in the enterprise software systems are now available on the edge. We can not only compute, but we can also store high frequency data on the edge. And this goes along with some of the constraints that you mentioned, right? There is a, a, let's say, a network connectivity issue. So does that mean that the asset stops to optimize? No, it shouldn't be. So by having the edge computing as well as storage, not only can you compute these algorithms with the high frequency data, but can also make decisions on the well, even when there is lack of connectivity back to the enterprise software platforms. Yeah. So if I understand what you're saying, in the old days, this vast amount of computing processing was done basically in town or in corporate, and you had to have a big pipe, a big connector to go from the well site to corporate, which isn't always practical, but it was years ago is your only solution. Yes. Now what Weatherford is doing is you're putting the processing power on that well. And I don't necessarily mean on that well, but it's doing the work. And then the little bit of information it needs to send back to corporate instead of sending all that back, yes. you can do it through a much smaller pipe. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's if you think about it, why are we even doing this thing? This is all about improving production performance, right? And when we say improving production performance, we are talking about either it's improving the actual production, reducing the cost or improving personal efficiency. Now, in order to do that, what you're really trying to do is improve decision making, right? So you do not need all that data to go back. What you just need is the right level of information that can help either in decision making at the back end or that right level of information that you need to make the decisions at the well site itself. And that's the reason why we say this is production optimization at the edge. Yeah, and this is so cool because it touches a whole bunch of things. One of which is, uh, is uptime, one, one of which is predictive maintenance, one of which is actually HS&E metrics. So yes. I kind of want to talk about each one of those. So first thing, let's talk a little bit about uptime. How does this help keep operators producing hydrocarbons? So the way to think about it is, you know, uptime is a combination of things, right? Uptime basically means that there is no failure as far as your equipment is concerned. But also uptime also means that it's the right level of uptime, which means that your production is also optimized. So when you look at it, just not from one particular well, but you look at it from a combination of wells, which are part of the asset. And that's really what you want. You want an optimized uptime rather than another versions of uptime. So what we do in Foresight, for example, is we get the right level of data and we have our algorithms which are both physics-based as well as artificial intelligence-based that can not only identify some issues that can be caused to your equipment through traditional physics-based models, but we also have machine learning algorithms that can predict if there could be any failure. And we can identify failures down to the component level of the artificial lift rather than just giving a generic binary answer of yes, this well is going to fail or not. We can go down to the component level, for example, for rod lifts. You know, we can go down to the failure aspects of whether the, the rod is going to fail, whether the pump is going to fail. Not only that, we can provide a way in which we can say there is a prediction of this failure from a frequency perspective that this particular component may fail in the next 30 days and there is a 90% probability that this will fail in the next 30 days there is a 95% probability that this will fail in the next 60 days for example so we do it at these levels now 
because of the combination of physics based models and artificial intelligence the users can come to know what exactly is going on and all of these is still in the context of your production workflows right so for example if there is a predict about the failure and an engineer wants to go back and see the dynagraph of the rod lift they can look at it and see what was going on there we also have pattern matching algorithms within our system through which even a young engineer can run those algorithms and figure out what's happening over there which in traditional cases would require a highly experienced engineer to figure out what's what's going on so there are combination of techniques that we use and this is what makes foresight as an optimization platform so different from rest of the platforms that a we just don't focus on the well we focus on the asset but b we have a combination of these techniques that can lead you to better decision making yeah and boy you touched about a whole bunch of cool stuff there so you know we talked earlier about that edge computing this is a perfect example instead of all those sensors and all that data being sent back to corporate you send that little bit of data that says this sucker rod's going to fail in, in 36 hours right Correct. right so so that's incredible that's using that edge computing but the other thing is predictive maintenance I don't actually, I don't, how long have you been in our industry? I've been here 10 years now in the industry. Yes. So I've been in the industry about 20 years and even 15 years ago, I was going, why can't we do predictive maintenance like the airline industry? I mean, they've been doing it since the seventies and we don't do it all. We wait for stuff to fail. And then somebody hot shots of a mud pump or somewhere spends a ton of money where we could have predicted that. I think it's so cool that Weatherford is is leading that charge right there. But when you get to that predictive maintenance, now you're also starting to touch things like HSE metrics, right? Yes, absolutely. So our, our philosophy, again was not just to talk about optimization and leave it out there but to convert those optimization decisions into ultimately operations decisions right so in foresight for example we have a module called field services management so once you do the analysis for optimization you can then come over to this particular module and start giving instructions to your crew about what workover needs to be done now you do that by creating a standardized process and not only do you do that by a standardized process but we also have a mechanical in which you can prioritize each of these through an economic analysis. So it's a combination, again, of production optimization, economic analysis. So it's all about reducing costs and safely producing barrels. Now, since you touched upon HSE, right, our philosophy always has been that we want to help our clients get to as much as barrels with a reduced cost, but safely. That has always been been the key. That's why our combination of operations as well as optimization is key to getting this thing done. Yeah, and so the cool thing about this is that because you're able to plan and and the fact that you can change those plans based upon the operator, the geographic area, the weather, whatever the changes need to be, now you're not rolling as many trucks at three o'clock in the morning, waking some tech up that yes, has to drive yes. down some lease road, right? It can be planned, it can be done safer, more effectively, which then keeps the operation not only safer, but a safer operation is more efficient. And so you drive cost out. Absolutely. And on top of this, right, I mean, this is absolutely critical as to what you said, right? I mean, we have the people, but we want to eliminate unnecessary trips, which cause HSE issues. And this is not just in the US market, but this is, you know, pretty much the same case across international clients as well. Now, some of the other things that we have as our offerings, right, which is part of the platform, such as Foresight Sense. Now, Foresight Sense can predict failures that can occur on the surface when it comes to pumping units, for example. And that is a huge factor when it comes to saving lives right i mean imagine a whole pumping unit falling down on someone unfortunately it's it's happened right and to be able to predict that ahead of time is huge yes exactly exactly
Yeah. And so how much of this stuff that y'all are doing, are, are y'all at near real time yet? Or are y'all actually doing stuff in real time? We are doing stuff at real time because again, this is the key difference between what we do as compared to others, right? Now we have our platforms that can be implemented on premise as well as on the cloud. But the key difference that Foresight Edge brings in is all this computing can be done at the edge itself. So the data really does not have to go to the cloud where the algorithm is sitting and computing something. The data, as I said, the high frequency data can be consumed at the edge where the algorithm is sitting. So we are the only ones today that are actually doing this in real time as compared to near real time. Because we do not have to send the data back to the cloud. We do not have to send the data back to the enterprise portals. Yeah, that's so funny. That's the reason I asked that question is because I've done a lot of these and you start talking about real time and people start going, well, it's not quite real time. The cool thing about real time, though, is that your responses are your actual machine responses are so much quicker and so much more accurate. You know, if it says it needs to increase that pressure by X or it needs to decrease that choke by X, it's just done instantly yes. versus that lag time. And that lag time actually can hurt production and equipment. And you lose an important piece of equipment, your production stops. All of a sudden, the cost of your solution doesn't matter anymore. They're losing 10 times more than that per hour because there's no production. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. So this is a lot of high tech in, in a part of the industry, which normally isn't thought of high tech. So I want to kind of turn the conversation around. Y'all have a lot of big customers. I know who they are, right? Mm-hmm. When y'all first started rolling this sort of stuff out, did y'all have some hesitation from the market because you're bringing something different to the market? Yeah, there is definitely hesitation. And obviously the hesitation is because a lot of people have come into our industry and have created this, this kind of buzzwords, right? And a lot of our clients have got their fingers burned with these kind of implementations. So there is obviously that that plays into the whole equation. But our approach always has been when we start implementing our technology, we want to start collaborating with our clients to develop these offerings. So any each of these analytics offerings that we have developed, for example, we have partnered with some of our big clients and that is how we have rolled these technologies out. So we know that we are not doing this just as us as Weatherford, but we have actually partnered with some of the key players and that makes it a valid offering as compared to something that is just taken out of some other industry and implemented here in the oil and gas industry. Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but there's some big tech companies I've watched in the last couple of years come into our industry. And we need the help. Don't get me wrong. Yes, we, yes, absolutely. We absolutely need the help. But they think our industry is easy to understand, and, and, and it's not. It's complex. And I say this, and I'm going to get hate mail about this, but I'm telling you, I believe it. I'll take a subsea engineer and put against a NASA scientist any day. That subsea engineer makes a NASA scientist like Lego builders. The stuff we do in our industry is almost impossible, but it ha- not only do we do it, we have to do it on a regular basis. We have to do it safely. It has to be on budget, right, on time. And so so the technology that that these new companies are bringing in are incredible. And like I said, we've needed it, but they don't always understand our industry. What's cool about Weatherford is y'all has been working in our industry forever. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you partner with your clients then means the end solution isn't a Weatherford solution that you throw over the fence. It's a joint solution so everybody benefits. Absolutely. And don't take me wrong. I mean, we have partnered with all of these technology companies and we need to work with them. In fact, all all service providers as well as all operators in this industry need to work with these technology companies because they're bringing a lot of new thought processes into how we can do things better in our industry. But the key to remember always is why are we doing this? We are doing this, for example, in our, in our space to improve production. And the why is what really matters because everything that we do in terms of technology implementation is about keeping that domain in context of each of these technology implementations. If we remove the domain 
or we don't have that domain in the context of these implementations, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. And it's it's little things. Like you and I talked about connectivity. There's a I've seen a whole lot of tech companies come up with some really cool stuff, and they just don't realize that there's not Wi-Fi everywhere in the world, right? Yes, yes. Or that the guys that wants to use your tool has to be in an intrinsically safe environment because stuff can blow up. Yes. You know, and stuff like that you and I think is common sense, but somebody outside the industry doesn't always think about that stuff. Correct, correct. So when you're looking at the future, I mean, so so you spoke of buzzwords, and I agree with you. The vendors have just overused the whole machine learning, AI, cognitive, big data analytics, blah, blah, blah. Y'all are really doing it. So when you're looking at the future, I mean, what y'all are doing now is incredible because especially with the, the quick declines in the, in the shell plays especially, production optimization is key, not, not only to making money, but to making sure you stay far enough ahead of your competitors that they can't catch up. And the companies that do it first will pull ahead of everybody else. Are y'all also doing this offshore in conventional reservoirs? Yes, we are. We are doing this offshore as well as in conventional reservoirs. Yeah, some of our clients in the Middle East are, are using our technologies both in offshore and conventional. And I, th- I think you hit upon a very key point, right? One of the things that what we've observed is a lot of our, not our clients, but a lot of the people I see in the industry, especially here in the US, are taking production for granted. They're running their fields just like they've been doing for years and they do not get into this phase of optimization. And and I can understand why, because the, the production volumes are extremely low, but at the same time, they can get lot of returns out of thinking with the philosophy of optimization. One of our big clients who has implemented Foresight and they are achieving significant returns out of implementation of Foresight, they made a comment to me when I asked him, so what's what's different now that you have implemented Foresight? And the CIO commented to me and he said, one of the key things is this is the first time that we are not doing just data monitoring, we are actually doing optimization. Because all of these days, we've just been looking at data and adjusting certain things. But now we are using that data to do optimization because of foresight. So that's a pretty cool thing. And not only that, he said, this helps in standardization of how we achieve optimization across our organization. So there's a, they said that this has changed our culture of how we are doing things now. Yeah, that's the holy grail standardization because once yeah. we could standardize everything, both onshore and offshore, it's open up so many more possibilities. I want to go in the big circle because it just occurred to me you talked about something we breezed over, but you talked about a young engineer versus an experienced engineer. A lot of the stuff that's so critical in this, in, in this industry, especially in upstream, you talk about optimization wells and optimization assets for years. It was that senior engineer that's done it for 30 years, and he maybe not could even articulate what he knew, but he would do it just because he's done it for so long. And for the first time ever in our history as an industry, this new talent that's coming in didn't start off in West Texas when they were 17 years old on the rig. They're very well educated, maybe an Ivy League school, but they've never picked up a torque wrench, right? So a lot of that, what I call tribal knowledge, is leaving our industry. With what you're doing, you're able to use that tribal knowledge and almost build like guide rails. So this mm-hmm. new engineer that doesn't have the 20 years experience can't make a bad mistake. He can make right. a little mistake. Right. So you're actually helping getting the new people up to speed quicker than the old way of doing it, which was shadow me for five years. Right, right. Right. And that is true because once we do the standardization of the workflows, that helps in processes across. But the second thing is we built in some features by which we can actually have knowledge management in the system as well. So if you recall, I talked about pattern matching as a feature in Foresight. Now, what pattern matching does is we have a ton of cards for rod lift, for example, and we have created normalized patterns out of it. And anytime a new card is generated based on the operating conditions of the particular 
rod lift our algorithm can match that pattern with what's going on and can recommend that for example it looks like tagging is happening on this particular well now as an experienced engineer you can create your own pattern cards and you can store that in the system so that tomorrow a young engineer comes in that young engineer can use your stored patterns right and that's a way of not only utilizing what we as weatherford have developed but can you can also utilize what your senior engineers have developed and that's a way of having knowledge management in the system itself that is incredible you're you're literally capturing knowledge and putting it in the system yes because working on wells in north dakota is radically different than working on those wells in absolutely. abu dhabi which is absolutely. radically different than doing it in north sea absolutely and so those guys tend to be local specialists but now with your system you're able to take all that tribal knowledge, put it in the system, and it can go anywhere in the world in a moment's yes, notice. absolutely. Absolutely. So, man, I could spend a whole hour just talking about this one little part. This is really cool. So is this knowledge that you're transferring, these cards, are these proprietary to your system, right? So are are you taking the, that knowledge from different operators and put it in your system, or is it per customer only? So we can, we can do a combination. I mean, we have a lot of cards that we have normalized right, which are already in the system and every operator, once they implement their own systems. Now, remember, our implementations are for the particular client. Right. So when they store their own cards, it belongs to them. I mean, it. so yeah, of course, there's, there's no data privacy property, right? or data yeah. security issues there then. But like I said, I mean, it's, it's a combination. They can use our standardized, normalized templates as well as they can save their own standard cards or templates. Because the cool thing, and I know everybody's a competitor, but, you know, for the last five or six years, I've watched an operator share real HSE data so not just the press release but literally the root cause because they don't want anybody to get hurt even their competitors man from an operational side if we ever get to the point where we're sharing that sort of stuff yeah it just makes it better for everybody yes yes absolutely do you think we'll get there one day I think definitely we will get there one day there are a lot of clients who want to work together and share this knowledge so I think we are we're already there it's just a matter of how easily we can implement this now you realize that this goes to something much bigger so this shale geology is not unique to the U.S. or North America. It's all over the world. The problem is the rest of the world can't get it out economically yet. Mm -hmm. Do you realize that what you're talking about is helping them get it out of the ground economically? You're taking what the U.S. small operators took 20 years to figure out, combine it with the big guys, the efficiency they drove, and now you can go to another country where they don't have the engineering expertise that we have with Shell, and they can actually start doing this sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And by not only can they take some of these learnings there, but they can also customize it for what they have in their own particular fields, right? So again, like I said, it's a combination of utilizing something that's standard and then customizing what they have in their own fields. All right. So we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, connectivity, machine learning, edge computing. I do want to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence. It's an overused buzzword. And I've seen, unfortunately, vendors say they have AI and they really don't. But it is it does exist. And when you see it, it's incredible. Or, or is AI playing a part in this? This this particular one, AI is not playing a part, but we are implementing AI algorithms to make these algorithms better. But today, these are standard pattern matching algorithms. Now, when it comes to AI, I think the overused is analytics, right? And one of the key things that we always talk to our clients is to try to understand what exactly you're doing with analytics and what kind of analytics are you really using? Now, you're using machine learning analytics or are you doing analytics by a statistical based method right a statistical based method is not the same as a machine learning based approach right and the key is to figure out 
the again the main thing is what problem are you trying to solve and if the problem does not require machine learning and can be solved by standard methods fair enough so you just have to identify which problem you're trying to solve how effectively you can use some of these techniques to solve these problems so i think that's that's just my recommendation to all all of our clients no 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 i'm right there with you sometimes paper and pencil is the right solution right and <laughs> and unfortunately people get too caught up in the coolness of the tech you know i've seen a lot of network operations centers showing all this data from the field it half of it's worthless i don't need to know that right there's two or three things i need to know and that's it so one of the things that ai is actually really good at once you have it trained and once it understands is filtering out all the bad data ai is a great tool for that yeah. so that you only get the good data and in our industry lately we producing so much data that a person cannot sit there and look at it and figure out what's good and what's bad so you have to bring in a technology solution right and, and right. ai is really good at that right right exactly exactly and i think that the key that we have is because of our end-to-end and offerings right whether it's signet from its kada or iot platform and its foresight from a production optimization platform and foresight edge for our automation platform the key thing is there is data integrity when data flows from one system to the other right and this is really helpful when you use all of this data for artificial intelligence as compared to using multiple systems and then you have not only integration issues but you also have data integrity issues and that's one of the benefits that our clients get from us when it's an end to end solution So I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit here cuz I always ask tech vendors this when they start talking to me about different data silos. So the thing in our industry is the data is there. I mean it's been there forever. Some of it's sitting in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere, some of it's sitting in a 1997 X access database. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it sit in SQL. Does Weatherford's tool have the ability to, to pull from all those different systems? Yeah, we have. And what we have done is past in our legacy softwares we had our databases which were proprietary in nature we've completely transformed our architecture such that all of our databases are now enterprise databases so not only can our systems pull data from different databases but our services teams are well equipped to do do those things but we've created a foundation for data in our platform such that that data can be consumed by other systems within our clients IT enterprises right because we understand that production data is very very important to be consumed let's say in an ERP system and we have created these kind of open databases which foresight can now be implemented either on SQL server or any other enterprise that's database awesome. right so that's that's really what we want to do we want to create this open architecture and we've already created that open architecture not only have we created this for foresight for example but tomorrow at our keynote you will hear about how we are going to have an open architecture for analytics how we are going to have an open architecture for our foresight edge platform such that our clients can create their own autonomous control systems rather than we providing them something out of the box So this is revolutionary it's a change in culture because up until recently each one of the service companies had their own proprietary piece of technology and if you bought into it and you implemented it the cost of change was dramatic but having it open source means that your clients can do with it what they want more or less yes. right yes. so if they want to ha- have it set up where it talks to SAP or if they want to have it pushing information into JD Edwards or or whatever they can do it themselves they can do it right and and it it's it's also about how when they use it this particular data into other systems they are actually monetizing that data right and that's the keyword as well because you know your data is there how do you use it 
to again improve more efficiencies or reduce more costs using other systems so we are trying to enable each of these operations yeah, and so i'm guessing that part of this probably sits in the cloud right we have a way in which our clients can implement this on premise if they want to if they want to create a cloud version we have this on the cloud as well as if they want a hybrid version we can do a hybrid version as well so for example foresight and signet are now available on the cloud in the north american markets a lot of our clients implement foresight and signet on their premise as well but like i said if a client comes to us and says we want a hybrid architecture we have been able to do that as well yeah the cool thing about the cloud is the fact that it can grow or shrink with you right yes. if you added a thousand wells or move a thousand wells you then pay in the cloud more or less what yes. you're using yes the other thing i want to touch in which is interesting to me up until say five or six years ago, cybersecurity was only discussed with the CIO and maybe the CSO, right? Mm -hmm. the, the business guys had no idea what cybersecurity was. Mm -hmm. Now, because of state-sponsored attacks on, on some very large oil and gas companies, now it's affecting the business. When some environmental group hacks a pipeline and shuts a pipeline down, all of a sudden the business takes notice. So I'm guessing Weatherford probably has, you know, cybersecurity probably first and foremost in, in yes. all of this. Yeah, I mean, we give a lot of importance to security when it comes to our platforms because we know exactly like you said earlier that you know there could be a lot of influence from attackers who can shut down a system right and that's why we frequently do security audits as well as security is the prime part of our design process and we pay a lot of attention to that yeah it's interesting a lot of people especially people that have been around the industry for a while on the it side of the house don't really understand cloud and the truth is a cybersecurity and cloud is actually better than on-prem, but it's just different. You got to understand it different. You know, at Oil and Gas Global Network, we're a Microsoft Office 365 shop. I promise you that Microsoft is much better at managing cybersecurity and attacks than we would be in the old days, mm -hmm. you know, running Exchange on our, on our servers, right? So that's the whole benefit of that. All right, so we talked about a whole bunch of stuff here. The bottom line is, though, you're literally helping operators produce more, spend less. Yes, right? and safely. And do it safely. And, and, and improve personal efficiency. And efficiencies and also knowledge transfer. Yes. Right? So the, the onboarding of new people, that's really cool. I, when, when you start talking down that route, I was like, oh, my God, that is incredible. And that ability to transfer that knowledge using technology to other people, other geographies, other parts of the world so that they could take advantage of what somebody else learned here or vice versa is, is, is simply incredible. So we're getting close to having to wind down the show. We actually have to pay the bills for a second. So usually it's the point of the show where we do a product review. I don't have a product review today. Thank you to everybody out there that's offered for me to review their turbine engines and their mud pumps and their gen sets. That's not what we do. It's little gadgety stuff. So anything that you bring to work with you that's technology centered, let me know. And we'd love to do a review on that. Then you've heard us talk about the street team. Go to the Facebook group, sign up. It's an all volunteer group. We're over 300 members around the world. Basically help us with our social media. And then if we're in your local geographic area, you can come hang out with us at conferences as part of our press team and have some fun. And we got some cool perks coming, shirts and stuff. And then a shout out to BCD Travel. They're our travel partner of choice for this show and for all of the podcasts. If you need to get your people and your parts and your pieces anywhere in the world safely and effectively reach out to BCD Travel. And then we have a new sponsor. So Nudix is our new sponsor. You know, they enable IT teams to build and operate highly automated private hybrid clouds. We were just talking about that. But the other thing they're doing is to give away this really cool JBL Flip 4 Bluetooth speaker to our listeners. We don't have the landing page up yet, so I don't have the link yet. Just know that we're going to start giving away one a week. So stay tuned for that. And then while you're online, go to the website, give us your email address. We promise not to spam you, oilandgastechpodcast.com. And then go join the LinkedIn group. My my marketing team 
has grown our LinkedIn page from like, it was like 300 followers when I had it. We're over 13,000 followers. It's crazy. It's pretty cool. When you hire the right people, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. All right. So if people wanted to learn more about Weatherford, where should they go? So of course, weatherford.com. And if they want to learn about any of our technologies, they can always go to our website and look for those technologies. If they want to search for Foresight or Signet or Foresight Edge, all that information that I just talked about is over there. And we have a bunch of other software as well in drilling as well as other segments that we do business in. So a lot of information is available on the weatherford.com website. Yeah, and speaking of marketing, shout out to your marketing people. Y'all did a website refresh not that long ago and the new site is easy to navigate. It is. It, it is. wasn't that easy before. Now it's ridiculously easy to find stuff. And it's actually cool. There's a bunch of videos, there's a bunch of one-sheeters on stuff they're doing. So go check out the website. And if people want to learn more about you, where should they go? I mean, they can look me up on LinkedIn. Yep, we'll put a link to your show notes. I mean, put a link in the show notes to your LinkedIn and also the weatherford.com. Yeah, so and we, we also have a Weatherford LinkedIn page as well as a Weatherford Facebook page. So I would encourage the listeners to go to our, our pages because we do a lot of work apart from what we do with respect to our industry, but we do a lot of social work as well. And I think a lot of our clients as well as the listeners would benefit from seeing what are we doing about all that. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I meant to mention that and I was going to forget it. Weatherford is one of those companies in the industry that gives back a lot. It's yeah. not PR. It's not marketing. It's in people's hearts. I've seen y'all do some incredible stuff around the world. And you're right. Your LinkedIn page showcases a lot of that. The cool thing is it showcases your employees having fun doing it, right? Yeah. At the food, at the shelters, planting trees. It's just really cool. And they're always smiling. You know, it's just, it's really cool to see your people out there making a difference in the world. We try to do it. Y'all do it. It's yeah. awesome. I mean, the, the one of those that's coming up very soon is Weatherford Walks. And it's coming very soon. You can find more information about that on our website as well. Hey, maybe off the mic, we'll talk a little bit more about that. If we can help y'all and get some publicity or, or get a team together, we'll, we'd love to do that. Sure, sure. Absolutely. All right. So we got to get out of here. We are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everyone. Alex here with the events on deck for November. First of all, we had our best turnout ever for our latest happy hour in Houston with our panel discussion. So thanks to everyone who attended, and we hope to keep offering you guys value in the future. Be sure to listen here for any future happy hours. The events on deck for November include OGGN's second Denver happy hour on November 6th from 4 to 6 p.m. The cost of attendance is $20, a portion of which goes to local charities Safe House Denver and Oilfield Helping Hands. On November 12th at Minute Maid Stadium, IBM's Oil Field of Dreams, Data, Digitization, and Disruption. This event is free for all OGGN subscribers. OGGN's Mark LaCour will be doing a live podcast with ExxonMobil and his 2020 oil and gas predictions. On November 12th through 14th is Procurement Week in Sydney, Australia. Our travel partner, BCD Travel, will be sponsoring day two of Procurement Week in Sydney. Day two has content focused on the construction, mining, and energy sectors, as well as an indirect procurement leaders forum, which encompasses travel. Industry leaders will be discussing value-driven procurement approaches, evolving technologies, and the changing landscape. And drinks are on BCD at the end of the day. The Houston chapter API Energy Petroleum Club will be meeting on November 12th in Houston. Speaker Shane McElroy will be talking about the sustainability of electric fracturing. We have another free event on deck this month for our subscribers. The Top Coder Innovation Summit will be taking place on November 14th in Houston, Texas. This event is the premier innovation event for industry leaders. 
You'll have the opportunity to attend panels on innovation and emerging technologies and meet with the YPRO and Topcoder executive teams. Lastly, the Algeria Oil and Gas Summit is happening on November 19th through 21st this year. Alnaft will be sharing onshore and offshore updates for Africa's leading gas producer and opportunities for independent oil and gas companies. And don't forget, if you guys would like to receive these events each month via email, click Get Mark's Monthly Events email link in the show notes of any OGGN podcast. Hope you guys have a great month. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.